Hey, welcome to the 66th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, storytelling, and directing. I'm Matt Enlow. And I'm Oren Kaplan, and today we've got Ross Novi, a friend of mine, uh, one of the first people I met when I moved to LA that helped me get one of my first paid directing gigs. He is a director, but he's also been a, the first AD on a lot of shows that we love. He was the first AD on the first season of Entourage. He's been on Arrested Development, on The Office. Uh, now he's on a show called Those Who Can't, and he's actually going to direct an episode of the show also. And we talked about a lot of interesting things. I mean, he's worked with pretty much every amazing comedy director that there is, and a lot of um, amazing actors. And he's gleaned a lot of really interesting information about directing TV from them. So we're going to get into it. But first, Oren. Yes. I've been dying to know, what have you been working on lately? Finally, you've asked me. Uh, Well, I've actually had a really busy past few weeks, as listeners might have guessed since we haven't (laughs) recorded any episodes. But I have directed... You know, I'm doing a lot of commercials type things. And with commercials, you get storyboards and you write a deck. You make a deck and you send it to them and you usually never hear back. But for some reason, I had four things in a row that I got the job. One of them, four things? Yeah, one of them ended up disappearing. Um, But what was interesting is that each one of those four things I got through a different source. and not not one of them was from the my like official commercial production company, <laughs> uh, but I got one from my friends that have a production company at Sawhorse. Sure. I got one from uh, another production company that I, I know the owners that I've, I'm on their roster. I'm kind of seeing this new trend where a lot of smaller production companies are just asking for non for directors, non-exclusive to, yeah, rosters, non-exclusive yeah. directors. You know, we were both we know someone at Herzog. That we both might be on that roster, so it's cool. I think it's a good trend, and it makes sense because when you were exclusively with one company, if they didn't get you any work, you just didn't make any money. It makes me nervous because if, you, like, ima- imagine there's a director who's just on a bunch of different rosters. These companies are all vying for the same jobs. It's like, does that ultimately mean that they're pitching against themselves? Like, are, that like they're going to be like, oh man, you know, Orin's really great for this. For this job, and then if the other company is like, "Oh man, we've got Orin," like I feel like that makes somebody look bad, and then they don't want to pitch you. And yeah, and I, I get problem. a little little head in my head about it. Yeah, that definitely is a problem, and I've brought it up because I have two companies that have pitched for similar things with me, and you know, and we all try to specialize in something. So if there's like a comedy action comedy thing. They'll right. both probably pitch me. Right, uh, got, we've got the guy, you know. Yeah, but and you want to encourage people to pitch you on it, obviously. Right. right. I'm still kind of fighting. Like I did Visit San Antonio, which was really fun. Um, I did Jeep, which was the biggest commercial I've done ever, and then I did Panasonic, which is for Latin America and a very specific client that I've done before. Right. And then the fourth one was going to be Xbox, but it was going to be like pre-roll ads. Oh, I don't think you told me about this one. No, that's the one that actually fell apart. But that, but I got. Pitched that job. Remember, I did this funnier die thing, like a Call of Duty mm-hmm. thing last year. The AD on that job was like, uh, contacted me out of the blue months later. He's like, Hey, Oren, man, what's up? It's Dylan. Like, I actually also produced for this commercial company, and I thought you might be good for this oh. job. So, you know, that's, I, I, I don't know. I, I know we keep talking about it, but it's like all about just meeting people, working with people. Showing people stuff, being active. I mean, even I think we've had listener questions about social media, but just like reminding people, like, hey, I just directed sure. this thing. 
not because you're showing off, but just because they might happen to be working on a project that is looking for a director that directs that right. type of thing. Yeah, so I think it, it's been a really good time. The the Jeep thing was cool. It was really cool. We shot on the Universal backlot. We shot on Disney Ranch. We had a you know a well known comedian that was the lead in it, and it, we had a giant crew, my biggest crew ever. There was like six people just like on the greens team, which is if yeah. you know what the greens department is, it's the people that bring trees and yeah. bushes and stuff. Having a greens department feels yeah. awesome in the first place. Having six people in the greens department, that's dope, man. Yeah, they're part the greens department is part of the art department and we were shooting like a New York street at Disney Ranch. They built this whole fake downtown New York area. But it doesn't have on, on Disney Ridge. Yeah, it's oh, new. They only that. built cool. it seven years ago. It's yeah. I'll show you what it looks like. But it um, <laughs> what <laughs> you said? It's, it's they built it seven years ago. Is what you said? Yeah. <laughs> well, because I actually shot there. I've shot Disney Ranch and have not seen it. <laughs> oh, I shot there more than seven years ago. Oh, funny. Um, and it used to be a Western town. Oh, I see. Like when you shoot New York Street, you have to bring your own street, your own. Trees, your own bushes, your own benches, your own trash cans, your own street lights, the sconces that stick out of the houses. Like you need, you know, 10 to 20 people to just make it look like a regular street. Right. Like, so yes, you do get to own the entire street, but imagine how much extra money you're spending to make it look like the real thing. Right, right. But it is kind of the perfect version. And like, I don't like that trash can there. Let's move that bench and let's arrange all the cars. Yeah. And even before that trash can is there, they're like, which trash can do you want, Oren? Right, right. Uh, I don't know. That one looks the that's silver a, that one? one's a little too gray, and the car is gray. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, but we also had you know like two condor cranes that are holding. Each crane is holding like a twenty foot by twenty foot. One holds like a diffusion frame, and the other one holds a solid. You know, just to mm-hmm. put make things in shadow. And you are still shooting these like medium shots of actors, and you're like, uh, we just don't have enough equipment to, you know, <laughs> make the entire street behind this person darker so you know it's crazy I mean you just run into all the same problems but I will say one cool thing is you know when you have like a 12 by 12 foot silk diffusion or something in a frame so we had like a 20 by 20 on this condor crane and they wanted to change it from a silk just to explain to people it's like um, you know it's like a piece of construction equipment effectively it's like a those big old cranes it's like a scissor lift it's the same sort of company like a genie lift but like it's literally a crane that extends out and then holds a giant, giant frame to diffuse light or block light. Like yeah, twenty saying. foot by twenty foot frame, and it They'll goes. They call up. them a, f- a fly swatter. Yeah, right, yeah. And the right. So the, the idea is that the farther you bring this frame from the earth, <laughs> the bigger the shadow it will cast. Right. Us, right? So, and that's a very fast way to to do that sort of stuff because it's on wheels and that's just like a guy with a joystick basically. Right. So if you want to put an entire car in nice uh, diffused light, you lift this thing above it. But when they want to change it from a 20 foot by 20 foot silk to a 20 foot by 20 foot solid. So a solid is just a, you know, creates a shadow, a silk diffuses light. Um, they bring it down and because our we have nine grips on the team, they all go they each have to only do three knots on the on this piece right. of fabric that's attached to the frame, instead of usually you have two guys that takes them like ten minutes to do like twenty knots each. These guys right. are like, you know, it's zip, like watching. Zip, zip. And yeah. because it's a, again, it's a joystick, so it's up and down. It's it's done so fast. Yeah, the speed at which like literally like like buildings are erected and things are moved is 
and trees are rearranged is pretty amazing. I feel like uh, the condor is like the piece of equipment now that it's in that category of like a techno crane or like sometimes even a f- like a fisher where it's like it's like oh you're in the big leagues now this is like the right tool for the for the job you know what I mean and oftentimes on a production that's a, just a tiny bit smaller you maybe have the budget or the crew or the time but you rarely have all three of those things to make it make sense. Right, because it's only like it's a thousand bucks, which is a lot of money, but not that much money. Yeah, but you need like you a have to have licensed like, operator, right? And you, like it can't be just a regular grip. And if you're shooting on a back lot, I mean, right? Yeah, so and it's like extra permits and blah blah blah, load bearing and yeah. Anyway, so yeah, the San Antonio spots I did were really fun too. But maybe I'll save talking about those. Uh, for yeah, maybe, next maybe when they come out. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it right now because I'm dying to hear what you've been working on lately. Yeah, boy. So I, um, since we last spoke, I think I've been traveling a lot. I've been doing a lot of the film festival stuff, and then, um, you know, we always joke about when it rains, it pours, right? Like you were doing four shoots in the last couple of weeks. I'm on a new series that uh, I don't think has technically been announced yet, so I can't talk about it too, too much. But it's a mockumentary um, for a digital platform that we talk about all the time. Um, it's eight 22 minute episodes. So it's like a, it's like a big honking series. Um, and, and you're directing all of them. I'm directing all of them. Was there ever, because this happened to me with Miss 2059 last year, I was going to suggest that I split them with another mm-hmm. director. Was there ever that thought? Uh, we're cross boarding, which, as we'll talk about with Ross, uh, makes that extra complicated. Um, and Oftentimes you're on a like a day rate or something like that. It ends up being a little more expensive, so oftentimes producers don't want to do it. I was kind of eager to do it because, as we talk about all the time, with the role of director and showrunner kind of bleeds together on a job like this. And if you're making decisions that have ramifications across every single episode, whether that's casting or a look or a DP or whatever. It's nice to just keep that all consistent. Like I'm not fighting with anyone. I don't have to get additional approvals. And like, you know, there's a lot of different people in play. Like the show creator uh, is also starring, and you know, so there's a lot of different parties that you kind of need to keep in the loop. And like, the big, big top level decisions kind of need to be talked about at least with everyone. So I was happy to just like let it be me and let it be done. And I'm a control freak, right? Yeah, so, but I mean, dude, you're doing like almost 200 minutes of content. That's I'm doing like two I'm, features. I know, I know. I'm prepping two features right now. And I'm still recording a podcast, bro. And are you still, are you thinking like, well, episode six is the one that's going to be really good. Episode you know, three is kind of like just some plot that we'll get through as fast as we can. I've been, um, well, a nice thing about it is that each episode is very distinct. It's like we've got the Vegas episode, we've got the music festival episode, you know, stuff like that. Are you so, going to shoot in Vegas? No, no. Well, TBD, we'll see. Cool. Or not cool? Pro- probably not. Cool, probably not, not cool. Yeah, cool, not cool. Um, I mean, it's okay. Like, I don't really like Vegas there's a part of me that wants to go for like a little bit of like street exterior stuff, you know, because that mm-hmm. you can't really fake. Um, but well, are you doing casinos or hotels or what? It's like about the dance music scene, so it's a lot of interior clubs. Oh, okay. So like the that you have in LA, that we have in LA, and like honestly, the difference between like a dance club in LA versus a dance club in Vegas is mostly the attire of the club goers. So we're dressing people up more for Vegas and letting them dress down for LA, basically. 
Right. Otherwise, it's kind of it's like you know CO2 and confetti and loud music and strobe oh, lights and stuff. I know. I'm a regular clubber. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, but so that's been really great. I've, I just have kind of been um, doing a lot of scripted stuff, which you know had been like the big goal for this year. So um, I'm really grateful to be in it. And like, I think you tease me about not being like stressed out in prep or something like this. And I'm like full on stressed out right now. Well, good. Yeah. Good stress is good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I like I try not to let it uh, get the best of me, but like I'm in the fire, as our friend Eben likes to say. Mm-hmm. You know, you're kind of just like on that streak of like answering questions, solving problems. You know, there's a lot to prep, and we are not, we are going to be launch critical. We are not going to be as prepped as I think I would like to be. You know, there will be a lot of game time decisions, and fortunately, I'm good at that. And it's a mockumentary, so like that's a forgiving sort of style of shooting. Right. Um, in that way, I, I uh, decided at the very beginning I wasn't going to shot list. I was going to make sure that there are that I know all of the beats. I'm going to beat list right and like know. Okay, don't miss this thing. Don't miss that insert. Don't miss this reaction. Think about your transitions. But even transitions are a little tricky on um, mockumentary because um, I wanted to feel very loose and very off the cup and like. The camera is unknowing. It doesn't. It, we're not predicting what's happening. We're not set up for things to happen. Right. One. I, so I created a philosophy list of like this is how the camera works and thinks, and we're using that to approach every scene basically. So oh, like cool. rules like the bigger the surprise, the less prepared the camera is for it. Things like right. that. The uh, the longer the lens, the less present the characters are, or the less aware of the camera the characters are. So like a nice wide, you know, which was most of what we'll be shooting actually. The characters know that they're on camera, they can regard the camera, they can toss it a look, they can be embarrassed in front of it, things like that. Oh, that makes sense. I, mean, I haven't thought about this before, but it does seem to make sense that you would have more transitions into a scene than mm-hmm. out of a scene. And we'll have some cool scene transitions, but they won't be um, match cuts or like we'll do pre-lapse and things like that. But they won't be as uh, elegant as like you would want a kind of more studio stylized sort of piece to to be, you know, right. because you don't want the planning to be evident, basically. Right. Well, cool. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad we're both busy. Yeah. Bad for our listeners. Good for our wives. <laughs> Gen- <laughs> genuinely sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Well, let's get into it with Ross. Um, okay, cool. So, hey, we got Ross Novi here in the house. Hey, Ross. How you doing? Good to be here. Good. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, Ross was one of the first people I met when I moved to L.A. He was directing a bunch of stuff for this company called Fremantle. Kind of cell phone videos, actually, right? Yeah, that was a specific thing. There were videos made for the phone. There was no internet oh. crossover. Yeah, it was, it was like just... pre-YouTube, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess it was... The YouTube where people were just posting for themselves, but there were no channels or anything. So we made, we had to think about how they would display on the phone. Mm-hmm. We had to shoot them very close. That was the intention. Right. And um, the other thing, the intention we had was how do we make as many of them as easily as possible mm-hmm. uh, so we can make some measure of money because it was like $500 a clip. Right. <laughs> right. So let's do one person talking right to camera 
we'll write a minute thing and you, you know. guys kind of invented like that format. Um, <laughs> I think like well, sorry, just to finish your intro, he, he's also a, a first AD on a million shows you've heard of, The Office, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Casual, Arrested Development, Arrested Development. Um, and others. What are what are some other entourage for a season? And then that was too much to deal with. Superstore currently. Uh, those oh, cool. who can't. Um, entourage was too much to deal with. Yeah, it was a tough. I only was did the it first Jeremy season. Piven just trying to sleep with you all the time? He wasn't even the worst thing. So he was a, a gentle, gentle man. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, uh, anyway, but so so when I met Ross, he I knew him as a director. He was doing these short form things and. You're actually like a really good example for our listeners uh, because you, I had made videos and maybe I showed you some of them and I was just doing stuff on YouTube and you were like, hey, you know, I'll hook you up with these people that I'm making videos for. And I think that might have been like one of my first paying directing jobs. Well, that makes me happy. I don't know if I, I knew my full role. Yeah. I feel like I owed a percentage even. Well, no, my very first one was a CPR training video that my aunt got me. Um, <laughs> But I think the first like scripted like she's kind of still taking her fifteen percent though. It's really yeah. yeah so uh, and was that a comedy? The CPR video? Uh, <laughs> it was unintentionally. So Ross and our friend Jay Rondo were doing these uh, like minute. How long were the, the just a shows? minute long? Right, and so you would get five hundred dollars a video. Yeah, so we do like ten in a day. Yeah. Oh, actually, I think like maybe one of the first things you gave me to do was you were doing this show called White People Dancing. <laughs> yeah, that one, even we had a hard time getting, we delegated that out to you because. Right. I thought you were being nice our, to me, but you were no, really. No, absolutely. It, but I mean, in our vast, it's a cell phone empire. We couldn't do everything at all times. And then did you stage them? Because I know yeah. one of our other friends, because it was impossible. Who was filming at every event getting good footage? Right. The premise behind the show was that like <laughs> white people are really funny dancers, like at weddings and stuff. Sure. And so uh, the literally this show was like each episode was just like 30 seconds of like a white person doing like a ridiculous dance. And you were like, hey, we'll give you like a hundred bucks a clip or something. For each person you find, hey. so I like had my brother. I like those margins, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had my little brother who was in high school. I was like, dude, just invite all your friends over and just like That's put right. some music on, and start dancing. I'll give you guys fifty dollars for each person that uh, you know that's dancing. And I, I think I got like three clips in or something. It was great. It felt like we were such mini big shots because we sure. could get everyone working. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's you're paying other people and we're right, paying. Right. And we, we were trying to do this mini studio of, of these crappy <laughs> half-assed ideas. Um, one thing, one of our best ideas, which they were never on board with, but I still think was one of our best, was a dance a day, which we had this guy Jay Rondo show you how to do different moves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the water sprinkler and the right. clown dance and all these things. And yeah. the amount of hits, like there's uh, the mashed potato or something he did, I, I'm trying to remember which one, <laughs> has the most views. And that's like people have learned how to dance from him. Right. But it's been lost in the sands of time a little bit. But if, sure. you, res- if you research it now, like that's the first Google result. I Is feel him. like there was a, that was kind of in the era when like there were how-to videos. There were whole websites. Well, Ask just, a Ninja was sure, like the ask, big ask hit. Ask a Ninja was a big one, but they like actual straight-up tutorial videos. And I remember going to like Vegas and like to like I want to call it 
blog world. <laughs> oh God, that's <laughs> terrible. Something like that. that. And uh, talking to these dudes who like definitely had like a website empire of how tos, and their number one was just like how to tie a tie. Right. right. It, and it was before that footage was all on YouTube, basically. Right. Yeah, it was great. We jumped in before you could really properly monetize anything. Right. Sure. So sure. it was a great time. That to... website, I'm sure, does not exist. <laughs> but I remember the Ask a Ninja guys, and we were, because we were at UTA when they had their digital division, and we went over, and they, I think they were there too, sure. and they were the big guys. And, yeah. yeah. And how'd you get with UTA? How'd you get signed? Um, I'm trying to think if we heard, I think they might, I might have just read. Um, that they had a division and then just contacted them and then they brought us in. And we ended up, I believe, getting our Sony Crackle deals. Mm-hmm. They set up a meeting. So we were able to do a treasure trail uh, for Super Deluxe, which was the old mm-hmm. yeah. site. Sure. And then we did. It's back, you know. I know. But, uh, but our things have lost. So many of our series, somehow the internet's permanent, but we can't but, find but our not, stuff. Not for Super Deluxe. Unless <laughs> no. the Maria Bramford showed us basically the only show that's oh, really? Super Deluxe. No, what about Brad, Brad Neely? Neely. Yeah, Brad Neely yeah, was yeah. the other one. He, he got some TV shows, actually. Yeah, right. And he's then like a Derek. Uh, yeah. yeah, Derek Waters. Waters. They, yeah. they had a thing, too. So, yeah. uh, but we did two shows for them. We did uh, this Treasure Trail Indiana Jones thing, and then we did Space is the Place. Which they didn't even air. <laughs> they yeah. Didn't air. I mean, we had so little money. We were shooting in a office complex mm-hmm. and then just green screening stuff and sure. having people act like robots. It was, I remember the guy visited us on set. He was just crestfallen <laughs> what, what we were doing. He just didn't have the heart to tell you that the website had folded already. <laughs> yeah. Just let, just, it, just let him finish. <laughs> just let him, he had these big aspirations. He was really like, he was a little bit of a nerdy dude. He was like, yeah. he's like this is going to be awesome. And I'm sure I pitched the hell out of it. Yeah, yeah. And then you just see it's like there's this really fake guy going, I think I see monsters. You know, he's the <laughs> robot. It was terrible. Oh, yeah. I did three shows for them and the third one also never was aired because I mean I it was partially I think the show wasn't amazing but also Super Deluxe was like we're done yeah, yeah you could tell they were just <laughs> you guys are really making me nostalgic because like there was a period of time in Los Angeles where like internet video had hit and there were all these new companies and it was kind of electric right like yeah. like the Ask a Ninja guys are like around and like you know um, like a big success story and be, like was a Rever was a website where like people would mm-hmm. share like revenue streams and there was studio what was it called there were a bunch of different companies that just started up and were actually giving you money and we were kind of that at that age where it was like so exciting just to get paid a little bit of money you'd put it yeah. all on screen it would be incredible absolutely yeah. we did the rascal which was the 12 episodes or something for crackle and it mm-hmm. just it's the best feeling in the world because we got enough money where we could right. film at the mall. Right. Yeah. And I could have some. I remember running. you guys had a chase scene in the mall, and yeah. I was like, Ross, how did you do a chase scene at the mall? Yeah, was I mean, that stolen? And you're like, no, no we, no, we, we got we, a I don't know how they approved it because the scene <laughs> is someone running, guys running with guns, <laughs> shooting shoppers, trying to kill the guy. But the joke was that they don't care about collateral damage. Sure. So it's just shooting, shooting, shooting. People are dying everywhere in the mall. And do you own the mall or, or is it? We own the mall. Like, it was before it opened. Uh, so we just for it. like three hours. Yeah, yeah. And then our guy escapes around the corner. Gets a blowjob from someone <laughs> and then runs out. And Wait, did they the, read the script before you shot there? I don't know. I, no way. I don't know no, how this no was. No, no, no. I certainly yeah. didn't give them that. But it, you think, like, that's insane. Like, why was that, <laughs> why was yeah. that allowed? You guys also shot at uh, Air Hollywood. Yeah. Ooh, that's funny. I'm, I'm working on a, a show now that does some air stuff. Uh-huh. And Air Hollywood is like, oh, boy, I wish we could afford them. 
Yeah, like so Air Hollywood, Air Hollywood is, is a, the expensive one. They have yeah. a bunch of fake air. They have a bunch of real airplanes there that are they've turned into sets. They have an airplane terminal. They have the jetway. <laughs> they have basically everything you need for any sort of airplane related scene. Well, right? LA filmmakers out there, a little tip: I just scouted today the Van Nuys flyaway bus stop, mm-hmm. and it totally doubles for airports, no problem. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Have you guys shot there? No, no, I. I don't know why people don't shoot it constantly because it just it looks and feels exactly like That's an airport, good. but it's in Van Nuys and you can afford it. Oh, cool! Ontario Convention Center too. Oh. We shot LAX, but mm. it's out there and it was LAX, so it was probably yeah, yeah. bigger. There's this place it's called, a way out the zone, though, right? So are you boarding it was people out of the so? zone. We yeah. had to sleep. But There's this place called Silver Dream Factory in Orange County. Also, I, they have an airplane, uh, like a, a body. What do you yeah. call it? The mm. main part of an airplane. Fuselage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fuselage. So, I'm shooting Silver Dream. This Friday. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, well, one thing, because um, you work in locations as well? No, no, directing. Directing. Okay, so, because um, one thing that working production is helpful is, you know, go, well, how did you get the mall? Sure. Well, yeah. you explain, well, I worked on these shows, and then you're able to allay people's fears, and mm-hmm. you know that you have an insurance cert, and right. you're just able to also call on, like, Air Hollywood. I had shot there before. Right, so now right. I'm going back and going, hey, can I do this thing for and you're a saying, day? Like, hey, remember me from these shows I represent more business in exactly. the future. Yeah, I'm the help person organizing it and guiding it. So, you know, that's one thing. It sounds all easy and exciting and fun, but, um, you know, I know where to go in Griffith Park where not to be caught. Mm-hmm. And I know how not to be caught Right. when I'm doing a scene of Amazon uh, villagers playing basketball. Sure. You know, <laughs> which is hard to sneak, but I kind of know where to go and how to do right. it and, in a way that... As a first AD on these big... Like TV shows, are you involved at all in locations? Yeah, actually a lot. I mean, a lot of times 